Welcome to the Booker's Alliance podcast, where we hold the pencil and the pencil is power. Coming at you right now is your host, Marky Mark, along with the man, the myth, the legend, Frank Donaldson. Join us as we discuss the ever-changing landscape of professional wrestling. So hang on tight, you jabronis, and enjoy the ride. Hey, welcome in. Welcome in, everybody. Pull yourself up a ringside seat. Thank you for joining the Booker's Alliance podcast with us today. Today's topic, we are going to talk about some Mount Rushmore topics. We're going to go with the NWA Mount Rushmore tag teams. How are you doing today, Frank? Oh, I'm very excited here to talk about some old school wrestling here. NWA tag team wrestling. That's Definitely some good times there. So I'm really excited to see how the, how this conversation goes. <laughs> so this history day. You know I love history. my history. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh so everybody that's history nerds, let's uh let's let's listen intently as we go through this episode today because we're gonna talk about some names you might not have heard of. And if you've heard of them, it's been a long freaking time since you've heard of some of these names. <laughs> so we'll kick this thing off. With our Mount Rushmore, the first one on our mountain has to be the Road Warriors. Uh, the Road Warriors, Hawk and Animal with Precious Paul Ellerin coming out there. Definitely a tag team that must be discussed when you're talking about, I mean, Mount Rushmore, any tag team conversation. Those two names got to be on there. But in NWA, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. And, you know, Road Warriors were known for a few things right off the bat. The, uh, let me get my best Hulk impression. Ooh, what a rush. Oh, yeah, there was that. <laughs> I remember when they started their interview. Well, <laughs> yep, and, and, you yep. know, and it would just go into that. You know, they would just go right into it there. So, yeah, I mean, just just those two guys. I mean, the look, the presence, that you know, they uh, the look, everything about them was intimidation. I mean, you who know, did who did not want a pair of football shoulder pads with spikes oh coming my off goodness. of them? I mean, even even in the you know in the NWA where they had been you know like the WWE, they colored them and you know they made them bigger than life and all that. But even in the NWA, you know, when they started it with just the smaller spikes and all that, just the straight black leather vests and the chrome spikes. I mean, they look bad. At, they looked something just like the Road Warriors movie. You they, know, they, yeah, the Road Warriors, Mad Max. I mean, yeah, they, just like that. I mean, they look. But, but then the guys, you know, the, like Hawk was huge and then Animal was bigger. I mean, yeah. you know, and they just they looked intimidating. They looked like every bit of whoop your ass, you know, and they <laughs> you when people said, hey, that's what's going to happen, you didn't doubt it. You believed it. So. Yep. And then, and when they come out there and that intimidating just look, the face paint, the outfit, and then the music. Yeah. Iron Man. Oh, yeah. Oh, come on. Coming Iron out to Black. No, it was Black Sabbath. Oh, yeah. Oh, there we go. Yeah. So, I mean, you come out to music like that, that kind of sets the tone right off yeah, the bat. Absolutely. Your opponents in the ring looking like, oh, God, what did I get myself yeah. into? Yeah. That <laughs> music start you know that long guitar riff that starts it out you know and then it comes into that medicine music you see those two monsters come from behind the curtain oh, holy hell I mean, <laughs> so like a whole lot of ass whooping walking down the road walking down the aisle right there yep and then you know with, with those two guys the everybody talks about one thing when you talk about the road warriors and that's the Rocco? road warrior what Rocco? Rocco. Rocco. No. You know, the, the puppet they used no, that, in. We ain't talking about Rocco. Oh, no, damn. we ain't talking about Rocco. Oh. No, we're talking about the Road Warrior Pop. 
I oh, mean, yeah. The biggest pop in wrestling history. I Absolutely. Mean, everybody, you can't discuss an entrance without, you know, saying, oh, my God, that pop was like a Road Warriors pop. Yeah, well, again, once those guys came from behind the curtain, I mean, you just saw a whole world ass whooping coming down that road there. So if you went to wrestling to see some beat, some, you know, some beat them up type wrestling, those guys looked every bit of the part. You know, they. They didn't. They they didn't shy away from that gimmick. They lived that gimmick one way or the other. So yeah. yeah. And you said a key word a minute ago. You said world. And even though we're talking about NWA, these guys toured around the world, and they were huge in Japan. Yeah, huge. I mean, they, these guys were the Japanese crowd is not known for making a lot of noise, but even the Road Warrior pop carried over there. Yeah. <laughs> so. well, I mean, they were the very first tag team to do that whole you know everywhere they went type deal. You know, AWA tag team champions, NWA tag team champ, WWF at the time tag team champions, IWGP tag team champ. Everywhere they went, they were immediately saddled up with some belts to carry around in their luggage because, I mean, the look, the pop, just everything about that package was awesome. Yep. And even though you had two mountains of a man, you had a small little man running with him, Paul yeah, Ellery. Yeah, Paul, oh, I thought you meant Rocco. Rocco was No, not Rocco. We're not going to get a Rocco site. No, we're not no. going to get a Rocco conversation going here today, are we? No. Nope. Damn. I, I tried, Rocco. Rocco's rolling over in his little pod box in the, in the sand out there somewhere. But yeah, Paul Ellery, he he was the uh, so-called mastermind yeah, behind the yeah. group. You know, he didn't have to do much. He just had to wind the story up and then let them go. That's yeah. all he had to do. Yeah. I mean, again, their gimmick, their story, everything was already on the table for him. It was already served up, cooked and ready. All they had to do was eat. So yeah. them two big ass guys, they could go out there and eat with no problem. So they went out there and ate. Or, you know, six minutes a night and call it one. Yeah. So. so as a kid, there was two things that I always wanted to do. First one was, even though we're not talking about him right now, paint my face like Sting. The, right. the Stinger face paint, the color, the bright colors, the blonde hair. Uh-huh. Dude, I so wanted that as a kid. Yeah. But then the other thing, I wanted the mohawk. Like animal, ah, there you dude. Go. That mohawk. You didn't was, want the split thing. Like no, no, nah, I didn't want the reverse there. mohawk. I wanted gotcha. the mohawk. Wanted the full thing. Yeah, unfortunately, my mom wouldn't. Yeah, she wasn't. Nah, she wasn't yeah. going for that. <laughs> Especially if she had to pay for it. I yeah, mean, ain't no parents go pay for that nonsense. No, she wasn't going for that. So the closest I got was putting on the sting face paint at Halloween. Ah, there you go. <laughs> I never got to the mohawk, but dude, the haircuts were just phenomenal for back then. Everything that I like, I said, everything they bought that gimmick. I mean, and it was just simple. You know, black top black boots a little bit of face paint and a whole lot of ass whooping you know that that was a yeah, stone cold you know it, it ran away with that gimmick later on in his career but i mean goldberg did the same thing hey it's a proven thing you know give me basic you know a basic look about you a little bit of talking and a whole lot of ass whooping and hey you're gonna sell some tickets <laughs> yep all right so that was uh the first on our mount rushmore of nwa tag teams we're going to move on to the number two the Rock and Roll Express. Yeah, when you talk about NWA tag teams, there's nobody else you're going to think of first besides Ricky Morton, Robert Gibson. I even, mean, even still this day, them dudes are still going. Yeah, I mean, good <laughs> Lord. I, they sure are. I mean, we saw them live, what, what was that, two years ago? And yep. I mean, 
They're old. I mean, yeah, they, they ain't doing too much more in the ring these no, days. They, but there ain't a whole lot of rocking and rolling. I mean, they're <laughs> more like rockers and rollers. But you know, it, it different, different, different set, different setup here. But yeah, they're rocking chairs and you know, and rollators is more what they're on <laughs> now. But I mean, hey, they're still out there going. To, you know, and people still pay tickets to go see them. You yep. know, so yeah, and, and that nostalgia factor. Yep. And when they came out, high octane, high energy. Bright colors, streamers coming off their arms, yeah. bright tights, just energy out. The, yeah. And they were the closest thing a wrestling fan was getting to an actual rock and roll star yeah. back in the day then, too. I mean, hell, Chris Jericho is still still in there. Look out there. I mean, you know, <laughs> yep. Hell. yep. But so, you know, although I'm sure I'm not sure if he's competing with them or Randy the Ram. I, he's, <laughs> he's actively taking somebody's gimmick right now, doing his whole Fozzie deal. But. I mean, hey, Chris Rock. So you know, hey, what can you say? I like, I like Judas. So to me, but must not be all bad. But yeah, as far as the rock and rolls, I mean, you know, the women loved him back then. You know, Ricky Morton was that sympathetic baby face. You know, they they weren't big guys, so they were easy to get sympathy for. I mean, just everything worked about that gimmick. I mean. You know, what can you say bad about those guys? You know, there's there's nothing that there's nothing out there you can say bad about them. They had it all. Yeah, and then of course they were the blueprint for a non NWA team that we're you know we're talking about NWA right now, but they were the blueprint for the Rockers, uh, the Rockers and Roll Express. Yeah, no yeah. kidding, right? Or the Midnight Rockers, as the AWA <laughs> would call them. But yeah, they modeled them right out of you know right out of that playbook. Said, hey, you guys got to We got a couple guys over here. They seem to like to party a lot and do a lot of other, do a lot of recreational stuff. So we'll tag team them together and. Apparently, from what I've heard about old wrestling history, the Midnight Rockers tag team there a lot of people over the years. So, you know, <laughs> some of some of you wait, listeners wait. out there might be a product of some of that tag teaming. But, you know, again, oh, that's oh, biology yeah. class. We yeah, won't talk we won't about go that there. Yeah. <laughs> we got to stay on the PG side. Yeah. Gotta- <laughs> Sorry, just speculating. Yeah, rumors and innuendo. Rumors, rumors and are, innuendo. Rumors and sexual innuendo <laughs> are, are part of our show. What can you say? So, you know, the, that's uh, team number two there on our Mount Rushmore. Let's move on to the greatest foil of the Rock and Roll Express, and that was the Midnight Express. Well, yeah. I mean, to make a great tag team, you had to have a a great couple of dance partners. You know, one tag team can't do it all by themselves. So, I mean, you know, on the flip side, you enter a Jim Cornette-led team of the Midnight Express. You know, that's beautiful Bobby Eaton, sweet Stan Lane, and delicious Dennis Condry, who we've referenced on the show before. I mean, you know, they went through a few iterations as guys got older, you know, cycle them in, cycle them out. But as long as you kept Jim Cornette there, you know, the Midnight Express was the anti-hero to the, you know, to the Rock and Roll Express. And they peas in a pot. Yeah, they were they were the villain. They yeah. they were the 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 Joker to the Batman. There you go. They um, were the jelly to the peanut butter. I mean, you know, they had they had to go together. You can't have one without the other. Think about it. Just thinking about, you know, old wrestling history. What other feud can you think of that either one of those teams was involved in of any credence? Yeah, no. Exactly. There's nobody. <laughs> they all wrestled everybody. Yeah. I mean, you know, they I'm sure the I'm sure the Midnight Express wrestled the Road Warriors a hundred times. I don't remember now one of those matches. <laughs> but anytime we think about old school wrestling, the first thing I go to is that match, Rock and Roll Express versus Midnight Express. So that's yeah. 
going to be your tag team there. So if you're going to put one of them on the, on the Mount Rushmore, you got to put the other ones on there right next to them. Yep. And if anybody gives um, that old school vibe, and, and again, we're talking about NWA Mount Rushmore, but got to give you know some present day acknowledgement here. If anybody's given that old school vibe back to the Midnight Express, um, FTR, they're, they yeah, are, yeah. they are nailing that retro NWA tag team vibe. Um, the entrance music, the outfits, yeah. the all hits, Those no cool flips. Colors. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're definitely a throwback for sure. I yeah. mean, what's crazy is their inspiration is like Tully and art. And I will even have Tully and art on our, on our Mount Rushmore here, you know, yeah. not to spoil anything for the last entrant, but I mean, they were, for me, they were more of a memorable tag team in WWF as the Brainbusters. In the NWA, I mean, they were more four horsemen for me. Right. You know, you could have, like, I remember Ole and Arn being the tag team out of that whole thing. I remember Ole and Arn, and I remember Arn just being the enforcer by yeah. himself, and then Tully as the TV champ by yeah, himself. That's exactly. what I remember. And then, you know, by the, when they left and came back, Tully wasn't there. So, yep. for me, I don't put Tully and Arn in that tag team now if we were talking 80s wwe tag teams yeah maybe now yeah. that's a different discussion but yeah this one i, I don't put them in there but the, the midnight express absolutely they're in there 100 yeah and then of course like we talked about with road warriors and you've said his name already jim Cornette. jim the, yeah. the midnight express is not the midnight express without jim no Cornette. that's why they were interchangeable yeah. that's how you could get stan lane in so seamlessly when dennis codry cycled out because at the end of the day as long as jim Cornette was there you already knew, you know, you you wanted the Rock and Roll Express to get their hands on Jim Cornette, and they had to get through the Midnights to do it. So, yeah. you know, so that you was had, the formula. You had Paul Ellering with the newspaper. You had... The newspaper? The newspaper. Okay. All right, then. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you had... So you don't remember Rocco, no, but you remember him carrying the newspaper. I'm not acknowledging Good Rocco. Lord. <laughs> My God. Poor Rocco. That guy. He marketed gold. You had J.J. Dillon with the shoe. Yeah. Jim Cornette had that the tennis, tennis racket. racket. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Boy, it looked like he had never played a game of tennis in his no, life. No, absolutely not. I don't even know if that was a tennis racket in there. You know, he always had the cover on it. So, right. Yeah, that could have been just a loaded bat that he had in there for all yep. we know. But he made it look like a tennis racket, so he, he gimmicked it up enough. Yeah, so got to include him in, in the Midnight Express. Um, so let's move on to the last of our Mount Rushmore of NWA tag teams, and that is— This one's going to shock you. Be ready. Get ready, guys. The fabulous Freebirds. The Freebird, absolutely. You got to give those guys their credit. I mean, they were NWA six man tag team champions. They invented the Freebird rule That's that right. the New Day exploited so much here in re more recent times. You know, with being able to have any guy of the faction defend the title. You know, one night it could be Michael P.S. Hayes and Buddy Roberts. The next night it could be Terry Bam Bam Gordy and Michael Hayes. You know, or later on after, you know, a second iteration of them was actually Michael P.S. Hayes and Jimmy Jam Garvin. I mean, you know, you interchange the tag team champions over, you know, amongst those guys and whoever was up to wrestle that night defended them. I mean, there's a whole rule named after them that we're still talking about here in, you know, the 21st century. So if nothing else, they definitely left their mark there. But also, I mean, they wrestled all those teams that we just talked about. You know, yep. they competed against all those other guys. And they were able to achieve a lot of success against those guys. So, you know, for me, that earns them a spot. So when they started, do you remember who was their biggest rivals when they first started? Do you remember that? When they first started wrestling? Yeah. So not 
W, not NWA no, base. They started in, in yeah WCCW. Yeah. They were the Von Erichs, you know, Erics, foil yeah. there. You know, all the Von Erich brothers. You know, they fought all the Freebirds. You know, it, it was just the back and forth thing. That was there. They were the rocker. They were the Rock and Roll Express, Midnight Express equivalent in WCCW. Yep. So, and, but and, you know, they made their name there. They carved out their little niche. They made their name there. They tried to venture up to Connecticut, up to New York, and. Apparently, from stories that have been told, they had one night there where the, where the Freebirds went up there. Yeah. Apparently, they wrestled a match, a dark match, went out that night and partied as hard as they could. Didn't come to work the next day, just <laughs> didn't show up. And we know how Vince, we know how Vince McMahon reacts yeah. to something like that. He told me, well, they didn't come to work today. Well, then they don't work here no more. Yeah. And that was the end of the Freebirds run and wrestling in all of WWF until Doc Hendricks came up you know many many moves later but all that's a different story yeah, for a different podcast. i mean michael hayes eventually landed behind the scenes yeah, yeah, WWE. yeah. and and to hear tell, contributor now. yeah to hear some of the stories he's been a pivotal part yeah, of still a lot, is. a lot of the stories that we've seen play out on our yep. tv so yeah his wrestling mind was always yeah. there but i mean as far as the work rate you know back in the free, he was the he was the, he was definitely the the mouthpiece of that group he wasn't he wasn't the best worker out of the four out of the four freebirds we talked about that's for sure but so, he was a damn good mouthpiece so a couple things that i just remembered about michael ps hayes oh so all i remember back in the day i remember the big blonde hair and the, the massive amount of man sweater oh, <laughs> that, yeah. that good he carried Lord. the big hairy chest oh like, yeah that dude i mean he had that chest hair on pop and circumstance yeah. i mean he was going yeah, for that it. dude was a fur ball and a half that's <laughs> for sure. but then jimmy jam i remember them that, that big curl that yeah. jerry curl and the yep. hairspray going on yep. and then who was with him what what female valet was with him was it baby doll no baby doll was a uh, dream guy you're talking about precious precious yeah precious it. came yeah. down Precious came with um, with Jimmy Jam. Jimmy Jam, yeah. And she kind of got in the Freebirds for a little bit. But, I mean, so the Freebirds have also, you know, speaking about their mark on history and whatnot, they were the very first wrestlers to come to the ring to music. Oh, they were, yeah. Yeah, when, they, right. uh, when Michael Hayes and them recorded Bad Street USA. I mean, had they not done that, we still may not have interest music yep. today. So, I mean... They're they're definitely they made they they made a landmark achievement by doing that because I mean they changed the wrestling business as a whole by introducing that. I mean, you know, when that happened it was you know, it was strange, it was different, everybody wasn't a fan of it, but yeah. I mean look at it now. How many wrestlers do you only know because of their entrance music? You know, there's guys that True. may have never actually got there had they not had that entrance music. Now you hear the first chord of someone John Cena when he came back right before WrestleMania. You heard that first little trumpet play, and I mean, you know, the crowd erupted. Yeah. Uh, you know, the the roof was blown off the off the building. And what we what did we just talk about? You know, the Road Warriors entrance music. How much of a part of their gimmick that was? Could you imagine if they didn't have it? I mean, yeah, they were still two big badass guys, and you know, they still brought a whole lot of whoop ass. But the energy that that music created, you know, really set the tone for what they were going to bring. And without that. They're just two big ass guys walking to the rig. I mean, True. so hey, if, if if so, for those of you out there who are thinking the Freebirds, how the hell? If if you're still trying to figure out how they got on the Mount Rushmore, there's your contribution right there. That that if nothing else, that would have solidified it for me. Yeah. So let's 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 play a uh, pop quiz. 
I'm gonna give I'm gonna give our wrestling historian here a pop quiz. So Frank, I'm gonna spring this on you. Well, you did that in the pre-show trying to hit me with stuff here. <laughs> so. so here we go. Pop quiz. Jimmy Jam Garvin. Yeah. Who's his brother? Rugged Roddy Garvin. Ah, that hands that, of stone. Look rugged at that Roddy wrestling Garvin. historian yeah, over there. The creator of the stomp. So there you go. Randy Orton, who we see doing the stomp today, Rugged Roddy Garvin yeah. had the, he created that. Now he was the first one to actually do that and call it the stomp. Dude, I was a huge Ronnie Garvin fan back in the day. Oh, I, yeah, I don't so, know why I was enamored with him, but I loved his character. Man. So I don't either. I mean, <laughs> I, I was listening to uh, Ric Flair's podcast. You know, we talk about all the different podcasts we listen to. And they, they were going over the when uh, Ronnie Garvin won the world title for Ric Flair, won the big gold off for Ric Flair. And, you know, they just kind of asked Rick, like, hey, why didn't it work out? And, they, you know, and Rick said, well, Ronnie didn't connect with the fans. I yeah. mean, you know, he... He's a, you know, he was just a, a big, you know, he's just a badass dude that could come out there and, you know, beat the hell out of you. But as far as like charisma and all that other, he had none of that. Yeah. So the fact that you say you are a mark for Ronnie I was, Garvin, I mean, I was. my goodness, you are, you are a rugged rebel there matter, back in the matter day. Matter of fact, dude, I popped so hard the first time I saw Randy Orton do that stomp. Oh my god! I goodness. was like, oh my God, I know who that's from. So, I mean, <laughs> listen, yeah, so I knew who it was from when I saw it too. Another, <laughs> so speaking of him, I got some trivia for you. What did he do? What did he bring to the Greg Valentine feud? That made that whole feud very memorable. No clue. <laughs> no clue. Awesome. So back then, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. Now, see, how you tested me, and I, I passed. I tested yep, you. You failed, failed with fine colors. <laughs> but no, in that feud, that's what um, um, Greg Valentine had that little shin guard that he was using, and he would always oh, turn it I around remember. and put the figure four on people. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. then all of a sudden, Ronnie Garvin had a shin guard shin of his guard. own. Yep. That was the figure four blocker that they called it. I, I can remember, remember in a match. Roddy Garvin was making like, you know, Google faces at Greg Valentine yeah. in the figure four and all that. And then they realized he had the figure four blocker on his leg. And yeah. I mean, you know, it was Vince McMahon. This was a WWE feud, of course, for those of you who aren't familiar, but they were just trying to find something that would make Roddy Garvin, you know, appeal to kids and the young viewer that they were targeting at the time. And I mean, it just didn't work. And, you know, nothing was Roddy Garvin was just an old, beat him up kind of guy. He was like Harley Race. He, you know, he was looked, cut from that cloth. His hair and his face, it, it yeah. always made him look older. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, he was cut from that same cloth as, yeah. as Harley Race. And I mean, Harley Race was never going to be a guy that the kids in WWF at the time were going to be like all behind. You know, yeah. Harley may have been one of the greatest in-ring workers of all time, but when he came to WWF, they made him the king and made him a bad guy and knew right away he wasn't going to you know, relate to any kids. And Ronnie Garvin was just that same thing. They tried because he was a face, but they couldn't make that connection. So, you know, after that great Valentine feud, Ronnie was not too long for that world over at WWF. <laughs> yeah. So everybody, that kind of builds out our NWA Mount Rushmore for tag teams. Um, what do you think? How did we do? What, what's, what, what grade would you give us on our report card? And if you got a better tag team than what we've put out there, hit us up on social media. Tell us what your thoughts are. Who would you have put on that Mount Rushmore? Uh, hey, you can always push the mountain over and build another face. Who, who would it be? Eighties, eighties <laughs> NWA tag teams. I mean, it's, a, it's a, definitely a, a wild topic. I mean, you know, anybody powers of pain were there at that time. You know, people might like them, you know, you don't know. 
Uh, depending on how far, you know, how far into the 80s, Doom was there for a time. Yeah. I mean, Doom for me was more 90s. That's the only reason they're not on the list. Snyder Brothers, they were more 90s. 90s That's the only yeah. reason they aren't on the list. Harlem Heat 90s. Yeah, so there's a world of tag teams that yeah. we definitely could have talked about as far as the, the NWA slash WCW history. But just to limit it to the 80s, we gave you our best contingent here. So if you got something better, go ahead and let us know. Shout them out. Yep. And with that, everybody, we thank you for joining us today, listening to the Booker's Alliance podcast, and we bid you adieu. Peace. Today's podcast was produced by SBP. You can find our podcast on all major podcast platforms. Also connect with us on our social media accounts. Search for the Booker's Alliance on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.